0: live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, November 5th, 2011. I have a couple of short announcements to make. I won't be here next week. Next Friday, Matthew Ott will be filling in for me. It will be Matthew's first talk show show. I wish him well. And on Saturday, it will be Carolyn Yeager filling in for me. I believe Carolyn may talk about, I don't, don't hold her to this, but I believe she may talk about um, Christianity in the Third Reich, which should be an excellent program. I think Matthew will be talking about the difference between the soul and the spirit in Scripture, and most people tend to confuse them very often, and that should also be an excellent program. The um, Christigenia Revelation commentary, christ I have the first issues on the way, the first um, copies of the book. If they're okay, I I hope that I can, um, if they meet my approval, I pray that I could release them for sale. I I could um, announce that on Monday or Tuesday. I will as soon as I I see the copies. And if if, if they're not okay, I have a problem. I got to go fix it. But I imagine it would be fixed rather quickly. I'm sure they'll be all right. And I'm sure I'll be able to um, to make that announcement in the Christoginian mailing list on um, on Monday or Tuesday evening. This paper that I'm about to, um, to present tonight, The Immigration Problem and Biblical Prophecy. I originally wrote this essay a couple of election cycles ago. When the issue of immigration was a big news in the media, when the media starts talking about immigration, especially illegal immigration, more often than not, it's only to portray those who resist it as backwards and racist. The results today, noticed at least five years after this paper was originally written, I forget it. It may have been oh six oh seven. I don't remember. Show that perspective to be the correct one. Here I have updated this paper somewhat in order to discuss more recent events and to improve on, on the on the perspective of the paper itself. I've added some scripture to it and some other things. With the practical marginalization of somewhat more conservative of the somewhat more conservative Tea Party movement in the United States after it was co-opted by the Jewish controlled media, and with public dissatisfaction over the failed usury-based economy growing, the spotlight has now turned to the new Bolsheviki, the Occupy movement. The Occupy movement, led by Jews and sexual deviants, filled with the disgruntled unemployed and a motley collection of vagrants, who have evidently never even occupied themselves, is obviously another false solution brought to us by those same international bankers who brought us the likes of Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, and Sarah Palin, three of the innumerable stooges. With all of this, and with the neo-Marxist administration in the White House, the immigration problem in America is not even any longer a problem on the minds of most people. For their minds are programmed to consider only those issues that the same Jewish-controlled media hangs in front of their faces. Bleeding from the bowels, the entire nation only considers the paper cut or the razor nick, which the media squawks about each day on a television screen. While it has fallen out of the limelight, the immigration problem is still our most pressing problem as a nation. But with a stalemated Congress and a Marxist president, the media has, for the most part, shelved it. It has, however, made a few exceptions for the recent news of the current administration's sudden and public upholding of certain immigration laws, which to this, from my perspective, is an obvious political ploy after it had neglected and failed to enforce those same laws for nearly three years. In reality, the administration only wants to appear as if it is willing to uphold the laws which we have while Congress considers another major relaxation of those same laws under the so-called DREAM Act. And it's all a show, and if the DREAM Act is passed, the administration will neglect to enforce the immigration laws again. It is the inevitable will of God that America and the other white nations of the world are overrun with aliens. Therefore, it is inevitable that the designs of international Jewry against the white race shall proceed. This state of affairs will prevail until the white race repents and learns to reject the idols that it currently worships, which had been presented to it by that same international Jewry. It is only inevitable that those whom you worship become your gods and masters. Today, all Christendom worships the Jews, the eternal enemy of the one true God. And for as long as that happens, all Christendom shall suffer. The importance of a knowledge of history as a prerequisite for understanding biblical prophecy cannot be overstated. Since the prophecies foretell of events concerning tribes and nations and most of the Old Testament prophets wrote about 2,500 years ago, how could one discern their writings without a knowledge of history since then? Lacking any basic understanding of history, today's churchgoers and Bible readers have been led to misidentify the tribes of the Old Testament, so they wander down all sorts of crooked paths, their beliefs and their faith, clouded with the errors of Judeo-churchianity. While many good Christian white people strongly dislike the idea that our nation is currently being overrun with aliens, few dare define their arguments based on racial terms. Their so-called pastors slander them as unchristian, would slander them as unchristian, and the dumbed-down, politically correct majority would label them as racists. This is too much for most people to bear. So they either remain silent or they resort to arguments over the differences between legal and illegal immigrants, rule of law, and national sovereignty. Yet in reality, there is no political solution to these problems. America became a bankrupt nation not 20 years after our economy was handed over to the Jewish international bankers in 1913, and, ever since then, has had no national sovereignty whatever. The bankers want the Mexicans and the other aliens to stay here in order to keep their Ponzi scheme of a usury-based economy afloat. And so they will arrange it, one way or another, that the aliens remain. Soon the Congress will be browbeaten into Passing a bill that few shall dare to call an amnesty, yet that is what it will amount to, and suddenly all the illegals will become so called legal. This perspective, now at least five years old, still stands true. While Congress has not passed such a bill yet, it is tried in every session. At this very time, it is not only America being overrun with alien peoples, but every white Adamic nation on the face of the earth. Be it Britain, Canada, Australia, Germany, Russia, or France, aliens of one third world race or another have been flooding into white nations in ever increasing numbers. Now it's Scandinavia and even Iceland. Yet there is no political solution to this problem and none of these people, of these inundated nations, all of them so-called democracies, were ever asked beforehand their opinion on the matter. Rather, for the past few decades, we have been conditioned by the mass media, by organized religions, and by educational institutions to accept diversity and multiculturalism as an inevitable reality. The very orchestration of all these establishments in company with the immigration policies of the Western bureaucracies by itself reveals the hidden hand operating behind the scenes. When I was a child, the immigration laws were overhauled by Congress, led by the traitorous Teddy Kennedy. A few years later, in 1972 or 73 perhaps, I noticed the first Arabs Pakistanis and Indians moving into Jersey City. White flight had already been occurring for several years, and many of my friends from school had already moved out into the suburbs. The Indian and Polish, uh, I'm sorry, the Italian and Polish neighborhoods downtown and in Hoboken had already, in five short years, been overrun with Puerto Ricans and others from the Caribbean. From my childhood perspective, it seemed like they all moved in at once. During the same period, the population of Negroes, which had moved from the South in the late 50s and early 60s, precipitated a brown baby boom and exploded in Newark and parts of Jersey City. That's the world I grew up in. A few years later, from the middle of the 1970s, the term multiculturalism became a buzzword in schools, churches, and the media, seemingly all at the same time. By the time I was a teen, I felt as if my culture and nation were being displaced. The very obvious coordination of the campaign for multiracial multiculturalism by itself Revealed that there was indeed a wizard behind the curtains, pulling the levers that made it that made it all happen. For me, time revealed that that wizard hailed from the synagogues and the banking houses of New York. In the 1970s and early 1980s, it was fully noticeable that Jews were the first group to flee the cities of New Jersey and head for the suburbs, as if they had some sort of advance warning. The shops that once lined the avenues of the cities suddenly moved to the malls an hour's drive away and were replaced with newspaper stores and dollar stores owned and operated by aliens. Concerning the ancient Israelites, to be overrun with aliens was one of the consequences of being disobedient to Yahweh our God. We find that in Leviticus chapter 26 and in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where the consequences of disobedience to God are explicitly spelled out. The removal and the diminishing of the aliens is among the blessings of obedience to God. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 to 13, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 14. While the circumstances of today are somewhat different than they were for our ancient ancestors, the general causes and effects have not changed. And there are other prophecies which do forebode our situation today, yet require much background in history and precedent biblical prophecy to understand. Only brief outlines could possibly be given here. From before the Exodus, about 1450 B.C., up until the Assyrian deportations of Israel, which were from roughly 741 to 676 B.C., Many of the Israelites had already been emigrating to the coasts of Europe, northern Africa, and the British Isles. They were called, for the most part, Phoenicians, and Danans, and Dorians. There they had settled among many of the Jepethite tribes that had preceded them in those places. The main body of the Israelites, however, who were deported by the Assyrians and resettled among the other Adamic nations of Mesopotamia and near Asia, spread north into Asia and Europe. Of these, greater number, of these the greater number migrated west as the Celtic, as opposed to the proto-Celtic, two separate groups, and Germanic tribes. This was the scattering and regathering of Israel foretold by the prophets. That the Germanic tribes of Europe are Israel can be clearly demonstrated from Daniel chapter 2. Once the first four kingdoms of Daniel's vision in that chapter are understood and it is realized that the Roman Empire was Daniel's fourth kingdom, knowing that the Germanic tribes destroyed the Roman Empire, then Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, unmistakably identify these tribes as the true kingdom of Yahweh, and among them only may we find Daniel's fifth and final kingdom of his prophecy in chapter 2. While many of the inhabitants of the Roman Empire were Israelites themselves, along with the damage Pethites and other Shemites, not to be confused with Jews, The Germanic tribes came to dominate Europe, and all of the northern European nations, including the English and French, sprung from elements of these tribes, along with the Slavic, Jepethite nations to the east. These are, for the most part, the remnant of the white race today, and these are the true legitimate Israel of the Bible, both New Testament and Old. These nations are properly Christendom, for which I would refer you to Isaiah 45, 3 and 4, and 62, 2. We will discuss some of those later. The Israel nations, along with all of the other Genesis 10 Adamic nations, of much of southern and eastern Europe, and all of, I'm sorry, The other Genesis 10 Adamic nations, along with much of southern and eastern Europe and all of Africa and Asia, were destroyed long ago overrun by aliens, the Arabs, the Turks, and the Mongols. This was the prophesied flood of the serpent foretold in Revelation 12, verse 15. And we must also note Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 28, which states, Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith Yahweh, for I am with thee. For I will make a full end of all the nations, whither I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure. Yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. As the tribes of Israel dispersed, I'm sorry, as the tribes of dispersed Israel Regathered in Europe and remained there for many centuries. Europe was not a final destination for many of them. There were other prophecies which had to be fulfilled. It is North America, which certainly seems to be the place described by Ezekiel in chapters 37 and 38 of his prophecy. Other prophecies also point to America as the future Zion and the New Jerusalem. For example, for example, Daniel 11.45. The further the children of Israel traveled from Palestine, the stronger a nation they became, and that is explicitly described in Micah chapter 4, which is a prophecy concerning the creation of America. Micah chapter 4 prophecies the migrations of the people that we know today as the Germanic peoples. Isaiah chapter 56 is one prophecy concerning the regathering of Israel. In 56.8, the King James says, Yahweh God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, says, Yet I will gather others to him besides those that are gathered to him. And note that the word others was added to the text, which surely cannot infer any others except Israelite others. In Brenton's Septuagint, the same verse reads, Sayeth Yahweh that gathers the dispersed of Israel, for I will gather to him a congregation. The outcasts of Israel are the dispersed of Israel, who are the strangers of Isaiah 56.3 and 56.6, the eunuchs and the dry tree. This is so because Israel was deported in punishment, cast off, estranged, and alienated from Yahweh, their God. But they were later sacrificed, I'm sorry, but they were later reconciled by his sacrifice and the new covenant, which the apostles explained, Paul and Peter. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 11, I will quote later. While many weak, universalist pastors use Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8, as an excuse to allow aliens into their congregations, trying to gather others to them that are not Israel, they refuse to see that the new covenant was made with only, exclusively, with the houses, which are the families of Israel and Judah. This is stated explicitly in Jeremiah thirty one verses thirty one through thirty three, and Paul repeats it twice in Romans chapter nine and in Hebrews chapter eight. The holy mountain of Isaiah fifty six seven surely seems to be America. The Zion of Jeremiah three hundred fourteen. America was founded, one of a city and two of a family out of the Christian nations of Northern Europe. Many of the initial colonies here were founded by various Christian sects from Europe who were seeking freedom of worship, making America a house of prayer for all Israelite people. This was never true of any other place in prior history, and it is precisely the subject of Micah chapter 4. Everywhere before time, Religious worship was oppressed and regulated by either the church or the state. Something consciously avoided by the American founders. The burnt offerings and sacrifices of this passage in Isaiah fifty-six seven must, of course, be, the metaphors, be metaphors describing the toils of the American people. Compare the holy mountain phrase in Isaiah fifty-six to Daniel two forty-five and noted, America was initially comprised mostly of English, French, and German settlers, descendants of those same tribes which destroyed ancient Rome. Yet Yahweh our God surely foresaw that our pastors, his so-called watchmen, as they are called in Isaiah 56.10, God foresaw that they would misinterpret The first eight chapters of Isaiah, the first eight verses of Isaiah 56. As they do much of scripture in their own greed and ignorance. And here I will read Isaiah 56, 9 through 12, where it says, All ye beasts of the field come to devour. Yeah, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Dogs should bark when the beasts are coming to devour our people, and they can't do it. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yeah, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. Come ye, they say, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant describes John Hagee. These dumb dogs, they are our universalist theologians and pastors, men such as Bishop John Spong or Evangelist Ted Whelan. Because of men such as them, the beasts of the field, a phrase which is used as a pejorative term for the non-Adamic races, as we see often in Scripture. The beasts of the field have been given the opportunity to come to devour the children of Israel. That's exactly what they're doing. While most white men and women seem to know that it's wrong to be allowing the aliens to overrun us, the pastors and the churches tell us differently. The Romish Catholic Church was even one of the primary agitators and organizers of demonstrations by illegal and other immigrants which have taken place across this country in the past five years, 10 years. They, along with various purportedly dead communist organizations and mestizo supremacist groups such as La Raza, who assisted them. So that's the company the Catholic Church keeps. George W. Bush gave a televised speech on May 16, 2006, which pleased La Raza so much that the extremist and racist Mestizo group made many positive statements about the Bush immigration policy after it was outlined at that time. Under the current administration, La Raza even gets federal funding. Very often, it's so-called Christian outreach ministries in the Protestant world bringing all of the world's alien scum into our formerly all-white communities. It may justly be termed a purpose-driven cancer. The frauds that run that ministry are the biggest offenders of the word of God. Surely we have no political solution to this dilemma with most of our own politicians in both major parties and most of our so-called church leaders also being aligned against white Adamic civilization. At Jeremiah 31.31 and the subsequent verses, we find a promise of a new covenant made with the houses, which are the genetic families of Israel and Judah. While this covenant was announced at the coming of Christ and the apostolic period which followed, the final redemption of Israel has not yet occurred. For example, see Romans chapter 8, verses 21 and 23, where Paul talks about it being in the future. And therefore, Jeremiah 31:31 must be discussing the culmination of the new covenant and not merely its announcement. That culmination is to occur at Christ's second Advent described in Revelation chapters nineteen and twenty one, that this interpretation is correct is manifest reading Jeremiah thirty one thirty four and thirty one forty, and we can compare Jeremiah thirty one forty to Ezekiel chapter thirty nine. Here I'll read Jeremiah thirty one verses thirty five through forty. Thus saith Yahweh Who gives the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night. Who divides the sea when the waves thereof roar. Yahweh of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, meaning the ordinances of the sun and the moon and the stars, if those ordinances depart from before me, saith Yahweh, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith Yahweh, if heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that the city shall be built to Yahweh from the power of Hananiel, from the tower of Hananiel unto the gate of the corner, and the measuring line shall go forth over against it upon the hill of Gareb. And shall compass about to go off. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes, and all the fields into the brook of Kidron, under the corner of the horse gate toward the east, shall be holy unto Yahweh. It shall not be plucked up nor thrown down anymore forever. Israel is assured survival by God. The dead bodies, the valley of dead bodies, are the bodies of our invaders. Disco- In Ezekiel chapter 39. In Jeremiah 31, 27 to 30, Just before the prophecy concerning the new covenant, we find the following. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant, saith Yahweh. In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eats the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Surely since the seed of man, which is Adam, strongs number 120. Since the seed of man surely represents the white race, then the seed of beast must represent the non-Adamic races with which all of the Israelite nations of the world, all of the white Adamic nations, are currently being sown. So these alien floods are a test from Yahweh our God and the punishment for our iniquity as he warned us in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy for the emancipation of the Jew the Jew set up idols all over the Christian world and Christians worship those idols whether it be vaudeville or Hollywood whether it be the organized sporting events where we watch Negro beasts run balls up and down a field or the movie theaters. The Jews set up all those idols and we worshiped the Jew on, and the Negroes and the other beasts on those screens and on those fields. We deserve this punishment as long as we do that. Yet that certainly does not clear the guilty of their crimes. Those evil men who would love to have the white race consumed by the aliens. For every man that eats the sour grape shall die. That this eating of sour grapes here represents race mixing is evident elsewhere in the Bible. For instance, in Jude, Jude in his short epistle in verse 7, we see the sin of the people of Sodom was fornication. And, as Jude explains it, that fornication was the pursuit of strange. The Greek word heteros means other or different. So fornication is the pursuit of different flesh, which is race mixing. Paul often warns us against fornication. At Deuteronomy 32.32, we see the vine of Sodom in comparison alongside grapes of gall, Gaul, whose clusters are bitter. Hence the strange vine of the bad fig Jews, those of Judah who mixed with the Canaanites, and are mentioned in Jeremiah 2.21 and in Jeremiah 24, verses 1-10. to 10. While race mixing is always hurt, the children which result from it, the day is coming when the race mixers themselves shall be punished severely. This is the time which we face today, just before the culmination of the New Covenant, yet after Israel has, has fully been gathered and has written, had risen, I'm sorry, after Israel had fully, been fully gathered and risen to world domination, and we have examples in Scripture at Daniel 7:27 and Isaiah 63, 18, and 19. That is when these things were to take place. We have been at this period for at least 90 years now. Shortly after World War I, alien and mixed races began eclipsing white Europeans as the primary immigrants into America. Over the past several decades, the non-Adamic races have been pouring into all white nations in ever-increasing numbers certainly this must be that sowing of the house of israel and the house of judah with the seed of beast described in jeremiah 31:27 ezekiel chapter 38 surely describes america which has consistently been the one land where so many of the world's aliens have desired to dwell no other nation in world history has ever come close to the description given by ezekiel in chapter 38 at verses 8 through 12, where America is the land gathered out of many people, who were all initially of the Celtic and Germanic tribes. And so it is the mountains of Israel, which were waste, and the desolate places that are now inhabited. America is the people gathered out of the nations, the Adamic nations, America is the land of unwalled villages full of much cattle and goods. All of these descriptions in Ezekiel 38 combined only describe this nation. While the invasion of Gog and Magog and the Arab hordes into this land may yet culminate in an actual military invasion, such an event is not necessary in order to fulfill the prophecy. Millions of Asians, Arabs, and other aliens, fitting the description of those ravenous hordes given in this chapter, are already here. Many have been here for a long time. The mixed race so-called whites, which are many of the people which we consider to be Sicilian or Southern Italian, Greek, Spanish, Portuguese, Southern French, and others the descendants of the Arab and Turkic invasions of medieval Europe, together with their Jewish cousins, along with all of the other aliens who were here, along with the Mestizos and the Negroes, may already have true whites outnumbered. Sure, while the government census reports still tell us that the nation is about 70% white, Those numbers exclude millions of undocumented Mexicans, millions of undocumented Chinese who are here. They also consider all of the Sicilians and the other Arab Europeans, the Portuguese, the Turks of Greece, the Jews, the non-black Hispanics the Tatars, the Tartars, or however you want to pronounce the, the, the Mongol mixed-race peoples of, of, of the steppe and, and the eastern Russian provinces, they're all considered white on census reports. So the true percentage of white people in America is actually far less than 70%. Paul, quoting Isaiah 54.1, repeats the prophet's warning that Israel shall be outnumbered. For it is written, and I quote, "...be glad, barren who is not bearing, break forth and shout, she who is not travailing, because many more are the children of the desolate than of she who has the husband." Galatians 4, verse 27. And of course, white women are not travailing in childbirth. They have traded motherhood for careers, and a lifestyle of hedonism. Remember this as the weekly news rags announce plummeting white birth rates. You'll find it at Isaiah 54.1. There was a news story on the radio in mid-May 2006 that the Russian government is so alarmed over plummeting birth rates, they're offering to pay Russian women to have children. The problem is not merely American, it is, it is actually all over Europe and all white nations. I would say another great contributor to the problem of our not having children are the incredible taxes we've been forced to pay to support the aliens that we're being flooded by. The great welfare states that have been set up so that man could defy nature and live in a multicultural society, which is a defiance of nature. Every time man needs to defy nature, man needs to set up an artificial infrastructure to assist him in doing that. The welfare state is the artificial infrastructure which supports multiculturalism. And the white man has to pay for it all. So the white man can't have children, not like he should be. Yet at Luke chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, we have an assurance that no matter who tries to force their way into the kingdom of Yahweh, he will only accept the children of Israel. The children of Israel are the she who has the husband, in Isaiah's prophecy, which I just quoted. Those who, fail, who are failing to travail in childbirth. The children of Israel are the bride of Christ. In the end, it is only the 12 tribes of Israel who shall inherit the kingdom. Revelation chapter 19, verses 1-10, and chapter 21, verses 1-12. The nations descended from Abraham through Isaac and Jacob. Revelation chapter 21, verses 24 and 26. And we Saxon Israelites have many other assurances. For no matter how hard our politicians and churches try to supplant us with aliens, Daniel 2.44 states in part, the kingdom shall not be left to other people. Daniel 7:27 states that the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 27 and 28 promises that Yahweh shall sanctify Israel my tabernacle, it says, also shall be with them. Yeah, I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and the heathen shall know that I, Yahweh, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be set in the midst of them forevermore. Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 tell us that after the culmination of the invasion of America by our enemies, Yahweh himself shall destroy every single one of them. Every single alien here shall be destroyed, and it will take the children of Israel seven months to bury the bodies. From that point on, aliens shall not again sojourn among the children of Israel. In Joel 3, verses 9 through 17, Yahweh promises this, and I quote, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, or among the nations. Prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves, and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about, thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Yahweh. Let the heathen be wakened, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Revelation 14. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of Yahweh is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Yahweh also shall roar out of Zion and his, uh, his, utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall say, shall shake, but Yahweh will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that I am Yahweh your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her any more. In prophecy, Zion is his people, and Jerusalem, in prophecy, represents their seat of government, no matter where they happen to be. It is not that patch of barren ground in Palestine, which Jeremiah said would be broken forever. So in spite of the liberals and the misogynists, the race mixers, all of the aliens among us shall be destroyed. Yet how many of the children of Israel shall suffer along with them? Joel chapter 1 describes the economic conditions of the children of Israel in a land which is covered with parasites, the non-Adamic races. I will quote Joel 1, 1 through 8. The word of Yahweh that came to Joel, the son of Petuel, Hear this, ye old men, in give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Has this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children and their children in another generation. That which the palm worm has left, the locust has eaten. And that which the locust has left, the canker worm has eaten. And that which the canker worm has left, the caterpillar has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and howl, all you drinkers of wine because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come upon my my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. He has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He has made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palma worm, the Arab, the Negro, the Oriental, the Mestizo. This is what we suffer today. I will establish that here. In Joel chapter 2, we have a call to repentance in verses 16 and 17, where it says... Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber, the revelation of Christ, and the bride out of her closet, the revelation of Israel, the nation. Let the priests, the ministers of Yahweh, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Yahweh, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them again wherefore should they say among the people where is their god this is exactly the state of religious affairs and of civic affairs in our nation today after this call to repentance we see a promise of deliverance and i will quote from joel 2:25 and 27 and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the cankerworm worm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of Yahweh your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am Yahweh your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. So we see the locust, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm are the great army which Yahweh has sent among us. This must describe that same thing as the seed of beast in Jeremiah chapter 31, the Arab, the Negro, the Oriental, and the Mestizo. This is indeed what we suffer today. Our goods, our livelihoods, are being devoured by these aliens. And we see that our road to deliverance is in repentance. Before we can repent, we need a clear vision of, of what sin it is we are repenting from. Paul repeats the promise of God at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, as Yahweh has said, I will dwell among them and I will walk about and I will be their God and they will be my people. On which account, come out from among them, come out from the midst of them and be separated, says the Lord, and do not be joined to the impure and I will admit you. We have no gospel message for the unclean, there is no gospel message for beasts, there's no gospel message for the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locust and the caterpillar that are devouring our substance as a nation. Only the children of Israel were ever cleansed on the cross of Christ, according to the word of God in his prophets, that he would cleanse Israel from their sins. The other races can't possibly be clean. The mixed races and the non-Adamic races can never be clean in the eyes of God. I challenge anyone to show me that in Scripture. Eli James. Refusing to be absolutely clear on the racial message of the gospel and the covenants of God, we become scatterers and not gatherers. We resist Christ, and he shall punish us all the more for our resistance. Peter, writing in his first epistle to the elect, the sojourners scattered throughout various places in what we know as Anatolia, modern Turkey, Peter said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priest of the holy nation, a peculiar people, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, who has not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter wrote this not to Jews, but to lost Greek and Celtic Israelites. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 9, the first half of this quote, it's a purposeful reference to Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, is a clear reference to Hosea chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. The put-off Israelites became not a people, And once they were redeemed by Christ, again had the opportunity to become the people of God. Christ came for no one else. This concerns only Israel. The very word holy, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people. The word holy means devoted to the gods in secular Greek. And so Thayer describes it, set apart for God to be, as it were, exclusively his. No matter how long or how many of them resist, the children of Israel shall ultimately be a holy and separate people, whether they like it or not. Since Isaac was placed on the altar by Abraham, and the fact that Yahshua Christ purchased them back, which is the meaning of redemption, after divorcing them because they sold themselves to sin, they have no choice but to become holy. As Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God, and you are not your own? Indeed, you have been purchased for a price, so therefore you honor God in your body. Likewise, Paul, and I'll quote from the Christoginian New Testament, told the Philippians And I quote Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. Do all things, apart from murmuring and disputing, that you would be perfect and with unmixed blood, blameless children of Yahweh in the midst of a race, crooked and perverted, look around you, among whom you appear as luminaries in the cosmos, Upholding the world, word of life for a boast with me in the day of Christ, by which Paul surely refers to his second advent. At 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14-18, Paul warns us to separate ourselves from the unclean. The King James in that passage improperly added the word thing. Paul was talking about people and not things. Because Christ has no accord with Belial. Babylon is the word used to describe the world's political, economic, and religious systems at the end of the age. Both Belial, or Belier, which means worthlessness, and Babylon, which is from a word which means confusion, both of these words are originally Hebrew words which are from root words that describe something which is mixed. This is proven by examining Strong's Hebrew dictionary numbers 894, 1101, 1097, and 1098. The mixed-race children of Belial in the Old Testament often cause trouble for the Israelites. There are examples in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and Judges chapters 19 and 20. Today's religious, political, and social organizations promote everything mixed, and they strive to pollute Everything which is not mixed, the doom of Babylon is foretold at Revelation chapters 17 and 18. At Revelation 18:4, the children of Israel are warned, "Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues." With so much of biblical prophecy fulfilled, should one dare think lightly of the balance? Truly, a friend of the world is an enemy of Yahweh. James 4.4 Indeed, what we observe happening to our people today was forecast by the prophets. I begin to close this paper by repeating Jeremiah 46.28 Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, sayeth Yahweh, for I am with thee. For I will make a full end of all the nations where I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure. Yet I will not leave thee wholly unpunished. Wherever, according to Jeremiah 46, wherever the children of Israel have had passage in their journeys, that nation has no future worth investing in. Additionally, I will read from Ezekiel 39, verses 1 through 14, which prophecies of all those who have invaded our Israelite nations today, and where it says, Therefore, thou son of man, prophecy against Gog, and say, Thus saith Yahweh God, Behold, I am against thee, O God, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, and lead but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Compare Revelation chapter 19. The destruction of all of our enemies is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith Yahweh God. And I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. And they shall know that I am Yahweh. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my name any more. And the nation shall know that I am Yahweh, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith Yahweh God. This is the day where I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn their weapons both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears. And they shall burn them with fire seven years so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forests. For they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, saith Yahweh God. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place of graves there in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea." And it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and they shall bury Gog and all his multitude. When I did my Revelation series back in um, the beginning of this year, I established in the, in the portions of that series for verses, um, for, for the chapters 14 through, through 20, I established from history compared to the revelation of Christ that God is the eighth beast, the beast that came out of the pit with the emancipation of the Jew in Europe with the French Revolution. These things can be established in history and in prophecy and are very clear. The Jewish world hegemony that we see Right now, that is Gog. That is the Gog of the Revelation and of Ezekiel. Gog is the eighth beast of John's vision of beasts. And Yahweh says, Ezekiel 38.11, 39.11, I'm sorry. And there they shall bury God and all his multitude. All of those nations which world Jewry brought against the children of Israel shall be buried here, all of them, that they may cleanse the land. Yeah, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renown the day that I shall be glorified, says Yahweh God. And they shall sever men out of continual employment, passing through the land to bury with the passengers, those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it. After the end of seven months shall they search. Psalm 118 is a messianic prophecy for the second advent of Christ and a prayer which all Israel should be uttering today. And I quote, O oh, give thanks unto Yahweh, for he is good, because his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endures forever. Let them now that fear Yahweh say that his mercy endures forever. I called upon Yahweh in distress, and Yahweh answered me and set me in a large place. Yahweh is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We see that quoted by Christ in the New Testament, by Paul in the New Testament. Yahweh takes my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in Yahweh than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in Yahweh than to put confidence in princes. There is no political solution to our woes. All nations compassed me about just what was prophesied to happen to the children of Israel. All nations compassed me about, but in the name of Yahweh will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yeah, they compassed me about, but in the name of Yahweh will I destroy them. They compassed me about like bees; they are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of Yahweh I will destroy them, the I represents the body of Christ. Psalm 118 goes on to talk about the stone which the builders rejected. The same is is made the chief cornerstone. It's a prophecy of the second advent of Christ. And when he returns, as it is outlined in Revelation chapter 19, all of these nations that have come against the children of Israel shall be destroyed. In Isaiah chapter 41, verses 8 through 12, Yahweh again guarantees the complete destruction of all those who come against Israel in the later days. And I quote, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yeah, I will help thee. yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish, thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing. And there's a thing of naught. If we cannot find them, How the hell could we teach them the law? As some of the frauds posing as Christian identity pastors claim we will do. How can we do that? Revelation verse chapter 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are completed, I demonstrated covering chapter 20 that this happened. At the, end of the, at the end of the 1700s. The adversary shall be released from his prison. This happened in the French Revolution. It actually was a long process which began with the de Medici popes, but it culminated with the French Revolution. The adversary, Satan, was emancipated in the French Revolution and made citizens with Christians, and given equal citizenship and and voting rights. And usury again began as a common practice throughout Europe. And our inalienable rights to our lands became mortgages, and all kinds of other problems. And the Jews sucked our blood ever since. The adversary shall be released from his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle, of which the number of them is as of the sand of the sea. And they had gone up upon the breadth of the earth and encircled the encampment of the saints. and the beloved city. That's where we are today, the international Jew, with all of his hordes of non-white peoples. The Jew has deceived these people to come into all of the Adamic lands and loot and pillage and get everything they can from white people. God has done this. The Jew has done this. And they are all here today in all of our lands. And their number seems to be as the sand of the sea. And there's an endless stream of them. And they're up upon the breath of the earth. And insert, they've encircled the encampment of the saints. Wherever you look in any one of our cities, you'll see an alien with a white woman or a white man. This is going on right now. And fire descended from out of heaven and devoured them. Some false pastors in Israel identity teach that they're going to get bus tickets home. They're not getting any bus tickets home. They're headed straight for the lake of fire. That's the gospel. I will not be ashamed of it. The locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the pommel worm, devouring our substance, if these worms are described by Joel, if these worms are the great army which Yahweh has sent among us, manifestly in order to chastise and test and punish us, then these worms are another allegory for the beasts which Yahweh sowed the house of Israel and the house of Judah with in these times as he spoke in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 27 to 30. They are also another allegory for the armies of Gog and Magog, seen in Ezekiel chapter 39 and in Revelation chapter 20. The locust, the cankerworm, and the caterpillar, and the pommelworm, the Arab, the Negro, the Oriental, and the mosquito, all these groups are seeking the destruction of white, the white world today, all of them, without exception. The end of these beasts is described in 2 Peter chapter 2, where the apostle explains to us that these natural brute beasts who sit among us and share our blessings unworthily are made to be taken and destroyed. They have no other fate. According to the word of God, everything that offends, all those found who are not written in the book of life all of those who have elevated themselves against the children of Israel in this day, they shall all go off into the lake of fire, into eternal destruction. That is how Yahweh shall sanctify Israel, as he has promised in many of the Old Testament prophecies cited here. That is why, in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, Only the 12 tribes of the children of Israel are mentioned and none others. Only those who resist the will of God can imagine that there could be others. All of these beasts are slated for destruction. That is our Christian hope, since we sure as hell have no hope from our leaders. Okay, I will take some phone calls if anybody wants to call in. I'll I'll be here for, I mean, I'm not going to wait for too long, but I'll take some phone calls. Matt, pro on the line. Maybe you want to unmute him or or yourself even to see if anybody calls in. If anybody wants to discuss this paper or or anything else, I'd be happy to discuss it. If anybody has an alternative viewpoint, well, well, I think that's a damn shame, but I'd be willing to discuss that too. I'm
1: sure it could all be uh, open for discussion, Bill.
0: These people would think that the Mexicans are going to get a bus trip back to Mexico. Well, Well, that's not what's written in the word of God. And I'm not going to be ashamed of the word of God. I guess that makes me an exterminationist. Well, then Yahweh himself must be an exterminationist, because Yahweh tells us that these people who have invaded our lands, it's going to take us seven months to bury the body. If I'm an exterminationist, along with Yahweh, I'm a proud man.
1: Absolutely. and I, People call me uh,
0: ex, an exterminationist. Well, well, the way I look at it, if you're not an exterminationist, you're a universalist. There's no third choice. And if you're a universalist, you sure as hell don't belong in Christian identity. You just don't. There's nothing wrong with being a universalist if that's what you want to be. As far as I'm concerned, you're opposed to God. But if you're a universalist, just admit it. Just tell the truth about it.
1: Right. Well, Hi, you there? Either, be, either be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm.
0: No, Pearl thinks on the line, but I guess he's not talking. That's okay. Oh, I'm here. Yes, Obediah 18 is all about exterminationism. Revelation chapter 19 is all about exterminationism. Can, can you hear that me? That way our God is going to destroy all of our enemies and he's going to destroy all of those who have elevated themselves against us in this day and time. There is no doubt from scripture. There's a lot of people in Christian identity that have followed Eli James and his wishy-washy, um, ambiguous, I'd rather call it obfuscated, Obfuscated is a good word. Look that up. O-B-F-U-S-C-A-T-E. To obfuscate. That's what he does. He has obfuscated the scripture. And he's not a gatherer. He's a scatterer.
1: Yeah, I think you're being... I will not
0: (laughs) obfuscate the scripture. It is our duty to profess it to our brethren the way it reads.
1: Hello. Hello, Bob. Can you hear
0: me? Hello, Bob.
1: Is, is that Mike? Oh, yeah, I'm no, sorry. My my <laughs> volume was turned
0: way down. I didn't even hear you guys. I'm sorry. I I, I play with this damn thing all program right. I turned my own mic off, and nobody said anything in the chat. So, <laughs> hello, Mike.
1: Oh, how's it going? Hello. Oh I got a I got a I got a street report today from uh, my own personal experience of the Occupy Wall Street movement, posted in Madison, Wisconsin, one of the most liberal cities in the Midwest. And uh, I went there with my uh, big infamous yellow Tuesday 9/11 sign and my bullhorn, planned on doing a little activism, and I got there and, uh, there was nobody there that I, A, wanted to be associated with, or B, even cared if they knew. It. <laughs> it, it was, uh, first, it was, it was in a, a, a parking lot of a old factory that was shut down, and it was a bunch of makeshift tents, and the, the people that comprised of, at this Occupy event, I'm sure it's different in other cities, because I've seen different crowds at different Occupy events on, online, but this particular one in Madison, uh, hometown to the Jew that gave me a shot to my mouth, and I was telling the wife, I said, uh, you know, that wouldn't happen a second time, just so you know, so uh, if I happen to run into him then and he happens to give me a shot in the mouth, I will beat the little shit out of him, just for the record. Defense-wise, obviously, I wouldn't just but uh, <laughs> anyway, so I'm there and uh, uh, the, the people that I comprised of there were uh, white anarchists, probably high on meth or at the very least alcohol, um, really downtrodden, degenerate, homeless people. I mean, just, just not even those occasional smart ones we were hypothesizing on the other night, but just, just the scum. And uh, a couple of mystery mates, a couple of Negroes, and then, strangely enough, about ten or so older Jew males, younger Jew slutty females, all obviously wealthy because they all had really nice cars and Gucci purses and uh, you know, coach bags and all that. You know, They were there just loving it up, and I swear you, I've never seen the biggest hook noses on these Jewish women there. But, yeah, it was uh, it was just the absolute scum that every aspect of this. So there was not one person there I saw that would have been worthwhile, even wanted to associate with, educate with, nothing. So I went in there, you know, just first I went in there, scoped out the place and and chatted with a few people, and I left my gear and all that stuff in the truck, and, and I sp- spent maybe five minutes there, and I, I told the wife, I said, this isn't it. <laughs> This is not the place. Maybe a different Occupy movement or something. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was just garbage. It was absolutely pathetic.
0: Well, well, that was my impression from the few videos that I saw was that most of these Occupy people never even occupied themselves. They've never done anything worthwhile. They, they look like Jews, sexual deviants, and, and a, that these Jews and sexual deviants are, are hurting and rallying these vagrants.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, hey, I mean I was I told the wife, I said, I'm completely out of place. I said I'm I'm A I'm white. Uh B I'm married to a white. Uh C I have three white children and uh D I'm actually married with children. C, uh, uh, C uh I'm clean cut. Uh D I'm not higher drunk. Uh E I'm I'm not a rat faced kike. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fit in no matter how. You know, I had a a nice pair of jeans on, a polo shirt, and a leather coat, and I had a little pin. that has got the the communist symbol with like the no smoking sign over it. That was it. I didn't want to fly too many flags walking in there right away, but um, you know, and that was it. And they, people just looked at me like I was out of place right away. You know, obviously, but <laughs> it was. I was I was extremely disappointed. I was hoping there would be some kind of like say. Alex Jones fans or something or, you know, Ron Paul fans or, you know, there's people that are kind of lost halfway there, kind of stepping stone people, you know, that I could recruit up to be like, well, you know, it's the Jews and a lot of these people here are not going to be your friends when the battle comes. so.
0: Well, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I, I had, um, I don't remember everything that he said absolutely, but the there was, um, talk on the chat server at last week that, some of the names that are associated with the foundation sponsoring these Occupy movements are actually Rothschilds and, and names like that, the names of, of rich Jews and, and jet-setters that, that have been sponsoring these things.
1: Oh, positively. And, positively, yeah. Adbusters is one of the key organizations that's run by Soros. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Is it the key people that... Have catapulted, maybe the origin, maybe the actual grassroots origin of the idea might have not been there, but I probably was. But certainly the people that catapulted, I mean, let's figure, could we get a CI message out like this nationwide? I mean, internationally at this point? Could we do that? You know, now, could we rally up against the kite nationally like this right now? No. You know, a real message isn't going to get this kind of clout, this kind of media attention. But, you know, it's the same thing with the tea parties, I I was hoping that there would be. The more of your leftist is whites there that were, you know, like I said, at, at a stepping stone, at least, towards the right direction that could have came in and brought them out of that, you know, or enlightened them uh, to some higher level issues here, but... Um, well, well, there at, is
0: ground, there's a lot of common ground that the far right and the far left have in common. I mean, the anti-corporatism, the, the understanding that the, the world banking cartels are evil and things like that, that... that um that absolutely. those people can be brought around to the truth. They can be reached, those people.
1: Absolutely, and like you know, like I said, in the Tea Parties, like I said, the, the leftists, these leftist groups got it right, like I said, the international banking, which I you find they have, a, the Tea Parties in Occupy have absolutely that in common all day, but like uh, the Tea Parties, they don't really, they're not really against these illegal phony wars for Israel, or I shouldn't say Israel, I don't know what I mean by that, that toilet bowl in the Middle East, but um, but, that you know, you leftists are against that, you know, and then, you, the, but the Tea Partiers have more of the right angle where they're against the societal degeneration, you know, it's like, uh, you know, of course, Ken and I were always talking about the implicitly whiteness that they have, so they, they're they more racial minded, like I haven't been to a Tea Party where it, I haven't met at least the majority of people there that didn't like mosquitoes and around. No matter how much you try to insert them into the Jews come in and try to insert them in the crowd, they still, you know, if you caught them to pull them aside, they're like, Man, man I'm really getting tired of these niggers. You know, Well, well
0: I'll just put a, a link into a cockroach alley article that, that he has um links that yeah, you know, he's linked that Occupy movement up to the um the Soros people and, and um some of the other international banking Jews and it's pretty interesting that they're creating their own opposition, and and that way I, I think they can corral any any legitimate opposition.
1: Yeah, and that's that's why I've always been against the idea of of you know this kind of this mentality that if you find a Jew in the mix, run from it. You know, instead of you find a Jew in the mix, hey, we better get in there twice as strong and and you know what I mean, like the Tea Parties. The Tea Parties had a lot of a good movement in a lot of decent direction at one point or another. And, and you know, as soon as people start, oh, they're run by Jews, and we all ran away from it, like, oh, we just let them have it, you know, we let her take a, a flock of people, that, especially the Tea Party, because that's, a, that's predominantly uh, our, our people that are lost, you know. But um,
0: well, well, I just see them as possibly good grounds to to, um, to find people to wake up to the real truth.
1: Absolutely, and that's all we could do, really. I mean, we can't, you know. I tr- we tried to go in. I, you know, Bruce was there for that one in Idaho. We tried to go in there with, I don't know, three thousand people, and and come bull faced with the message, and we almost got lynched out there. <laughs> but, um, you know they, it, yeah. If you could just get in there, um, uh, there's the individual I went with at a tea party out in Vegas. Uh, one of your best friends there, uh, Patricia Molly, or whatever. <laughs> 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 just totally I'll
0: out of side
1: Patricia. Note. I'll Patricia. Yeah, but you know, I when I went there, I was kind of I was just on my own basically, and I you know I passed out DVDs and I tried to feel the temperature out because it's you know the the problem with the tea parties is comprised of uh, basically our worst enemy against us and that's Judeo Christianity, you know, that these people that you know, love Jews to death, you know, and that's that's you know you you have you have the leftists which are are more open to criticizing you know Jews and don't have that judeo-christianity angle but at the same time
0: well well right they, but they're still not racially aware they usually use as their basis for criticism of Jews that the um, the the Zionist crimes in Palestine and yep. and that includes empathy for the Arabs which is also misplaced because the Arabs have also historically been our enemies. I mean, there's no doubt. The Arabs invaded Gothic Spain. They tried to invade France. They destroyed southern Italy. They, they, you know, the Arabs have never been our friends.
1: Well they're invading Europe right now.
0: <laughs> yes, they are. And 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 as soon as they get sufficient numbers, they'll try to take it. They'll they'll try to take it politically. And and we we don't we see them as immigrants because we're teased and 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 misled by the Jew media when they're in fact they're they're invaders.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and it's uh yeah that's 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 the whole thing we we have like I said we have these this right activist group in America here, this left activist group in America both got decent issues but both got a huge Jewish poison to them and it's. You know, you got the multiculturalism and diversity in the left, and then you got the jail Christianity on the right, which, you know, that's even, a, like I said, that's even a bigger battle than the left, but the right is where most of our people are at. It's, um, I don't know, it's certainly a puzzle. It's certainly a puzzle. But like it looks, like you said, though, it's, you get in there and and you try to bring some of our people out of Babylon, is what it's, what it's going to take, you know, just even if it's one or two at a time or.
0: Well, well, we are promised an awakening. This has to snowball at one point or another. We are promised an awakening. We don't know how it's going to happen, and and we can't sit on our asses and say, oh, well, Yahweh's going to do it, because we don't know what his vehicle, what, what his chosen vehicle is for the, the catalyst of, of that awakening. Yeah, So, absolutely. so we well, we can't be the servants that hide our talent in the ground. We have to do what we can to... to um. To, to alert our brethren and and to the truth of what's really going on in this nation and in this world
1: well it's like I was talking to Bob earlier and I made this analogy plenty of times on here as well it's um it's like you know we're we're God's children but we can also look at it as we're his underling soldiers you know he's the general of the battlefield. well he left the battlefield for a minute for us to you know we're obviously not going to win without him. But it doesn't mean put down the arms and wait for the general to come back, you know, and he'll take, he'll just sweep up the, I mean, we still need to do some kind of damage control. He'll need to get out there and, and, you know, and and be part of that. Because, like you said, we could, one of us could be uh, integral in being that catalyst, you know, and if we think, you know, we get the idea that, well, you know, Yahweh's just going to come back and take care of it all for us and be pleased with our inaction, you know, that's, um. You know, no, absolutely
0: uh, not. We can either be ice cold or, or fervently hot. We cannot be lukewarm. Yep. And, and, but I, I have to say, you know, my presentation tonight, if you're going to have a um, a compromised racial message, you're lukewarm. We cannot have a compromised racial message and be successful. We have to have an explicitly white, unapologet, unapologetic racial message. We have to... Tell the truth about the scripture and the fates of the races. We cannot have a gospel to the beasts. We are never going to have any success or any clear direction with the gospel to the beasts. We can't have it. it it's, it's ambiguous. It causes confusion. It causes confusion in people. Uh, um, that they We become laughing stocks when we try that. And, and yeah, we deserve absolutely.
1: to be. Well, it's, 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 it's like I said. You know, P, we need to understand that they're not going to fight our fight, so there's no point in, in presenting our fight to other races. You know, it's it, it's not for them. It's it's not something they're going to want to fight. You know, it's uh, it, you know, and it's a shame because whites will go and, and you know, go to Africa and help the Africans out. Or we're told to help everybody else but ourselves. But yeah, the point is, you, our fight is our fight. Nobody else's. So that's where it counts. You know, it's, absolutely.
0: It's, uh, Absolutely. Well, thanks, Mike. It's good to hear that. I mean, I'm sorry you couldn't find at least one lost brother at Occupy. Um, <laughs> <Ugh.
1: laughs>
0: Occupy the slum. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad. but so that they the only have...
1: person, Well, the only person I know that was white there was this kid that was dressed up. He was totally for anarchy. He was high and drunk off his board. I mean, the guy had... Uh, roofing nails in chain links in his ears and his nose. Right. Know, and I, was, I, I would have normally said someone with those kind of actions would have been a, you know, a Jew, but he I think he's probably white, Like he definitely got suckered into a lot well, of stuff. You know, well, there are a
0: lot of white kids who who have been caught up. I, I mean, the Jews started all that Gothic crap, and, and a lot of white kids have followed right down behind them. And and that's what they do. The Jews set up that these idol temples... And the idol temples don't have to be physical, right? They set up the, these um, virtual idol temples like, like the Gothic thing and, and um, the, the different movements that, that these they bring these kids through and, and they attract them and, and they lead them down the road to hell. They do it all the time. And, and it's successful all the time because parents today don't have a clear message for their children. Yep. Most parents that are even even kind of racially aware can't tell their children why they should be racially aware. That they might think that some Jews are bad, but they can't tell their kids why the Jews are bad. They can't tell their kids why things are like they are, and, and they can't do that without a strong foundation in, in two seed line Christian identity. And how many people have that? So, so without a w- without that solid foundation. Well, we can't, you know, children can't stand. Yeah, it's just
1: disappointing. I see that a lot, too. I mean, even, you know, people that are aware, I see that are afraid to even teach their children because it's so out of the norm. You know, they they still got this appeal to want to be in the the social community of society the way it's built right now, and so they don't want to set their kids up. It it seems like they don't want to set their kids up to be aware of this stuff, and I'm like,
0: Not me. Well, well, Christian identity needs that 100% uncompromising racial message. And if I'm going to be called an exterminationist, well, I'm proud. I'll wear the term. That that's the way it is. That's the word of God. The Mexicans are not getting a ticket back to Mexico. They have nothing coming. They have nothing – we should have nothing to do with them, and we sure as hell don't need a gospel to the beasts. We have to be 100% uncompromising on the race issue and absolutely explicitly white, as even Severus said, right? Because everything else is failure. Everything else is falling short. Yep, absolutely. And we have to show our brethren that people can, can have those beliefs and not be afraid of the Jewish slanders, like exterminationists and, and, and anti-Semite and, and all that garbage. We can't be afraid of their slanders? You know, that's
1: a, a very important, uh, important important point you brought up about having a strong foundation. because I was looking at one of the um, I downloaded every video I could from the uh, whole NSM rally back in uh, West Dallas in September. And I was wanted to look at a lot of the opposition videos and wanted to put a video together on this. Well, anyway, so I'm looking. They had the, the peace action, black and Jew peace action crowd there had this so-called former skinhead dude up there speaking. And um, he, he said, oh, all this all this hatred does is lead you into jail or death, and I'm not going to be away from my daughter like that. As he's speaking, he's speaking, to this big thug black dude standing next to him. I'm thinking... Well, I guess you know if you're not going to defend your daughter, dating and breeding out your race right there next to you. But what your point was with foundation is that I've noticed that a lot of these former so-called, especially they seem a lot of times come out of these skinhead ranks, where they 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 turn a uh, they they turn a chief, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it, and they go back to um, you know believing in all this. Jewish propaganda, and it's only because, you know, because this guy's up here quoting Martin Luther King, who, you know, one of the biggest pieces of shit in our society, you know, that we ever had to be put on a pedestal. And I'm thinking, how, you know, how can this guy do that? And it, and it either comes that they just straight sold out their traitor, you know, whatever have you. But I, I think a, a couple of these people I've seen, really were were young and weren't taught well didn't have that foundation that knowledge that they knew that was true it wasn't just uh you know the whatever you want to call it they had a hint of something or another and it was easy to knock them off your foundation and that that you know that was, like i said it's very important to have that strong foundation so that uh you know you can't be disrupted and misled at that point
0: Well, well right we have to be able to tell young white children that they are the children of god that the kingdom of heaven is theirs to inherit. If they race mix, their children are headed to the lake of fire. That's what the word of God says. We have to be uncompromising with that. And that's the way it is. And if we want to be ambiguous and wishy-washy on the race issue, we may as well become Judeo-Christians. Yeah, Absolutely or Jews. Uh, we may as well just jump into a in, in, off a bridge. It's crazy. Well, I'll be posting my updated Immigration Prophecy in Biblical, and, and the the Immigration Problem in Biblical Prophecy. I'll be posting that on my website tonight.
1: I'm going to go ahead and mute, because speaking of children, I don't know i wrecked the show with a bunch of yelling kids here
2: because i got to head come back in from the cold. So. <laughs> okay, Mike, thank
0: you, and God bless, and thanks for calling.
2: Robert, how you doing?
0: I'm doing okay.
2: I don't know how the audio is on this phone. hope it's You're okay.
0: You're fine here.
2: Something to, to point out here, and um, this is kind of a, cur- a current topic that's been floating around the Internet, is this Patricia McAllister, the woman who, the black the woman.
0: Degress, right.
2: As she spoke up so, so, uh, for against the Jews, so to speak. Uh, at least that's what we think she did. If you actually listen to all of her audios, in, in my opinion, she's just an, another agent provocateur because uh, she actually loves the Jews, and she thinks that the Jews are redeemable and that we need to uh, get rid of the Jews that are bad and keep the Jews that are good.
0: Well, she may as well just get a job with um, Nathaniel <laughs> or Well, I think clients. this goes
2: along with the Daryl Bradford Smith, the Eli, right. or less the same thing. I don't see much difference between what she was espousing and what Eli espouses.
0: Well, well, no, it's it's basically the bottom line is that Christ said of that fig tree in Jerusalem that no more good fruit would come from it forever. That means that there cannot be a good Jew, because no bad tree... Produces good fruit. Period. End of story. That's the end of the argument. That right the scriptural argument should end right there. In the cursing well that's the I think
2: a message that, that, that a lot of whites are, are still having trouble with, and that's why I said she's just polluting the polluting the water. Uh Pro Think and I talked about this a little bit today. And um, I mean it is somewhat of a step, but I hate a step coming from a, a black woman. That to me is not really a good step. If it well, well, wasn't something- white guy who was becoming enlightened and that's where he happened to be and he could be brought along further that's one thing but her as an example to me is having whites run to something that they shouldn't be running to again.
0: Well we don't need beasts to tell us that Satan is evil that, that's the bottom line. We don't need the beasts to tell us that Satan is evil. What we can see for ourselves that Satan is evil. What we can see for ourselves. That, I, I mean, a lot of Christian identity so-called pastors love this, um, this Negro David Manning. I, I wouldn't ever post one of his videos or, or, or distribute it to people but because he's a Negro. And, and one of them, when I asked him about it, he told me, well, um, God used Balaam's ass to talk to, to um." To block, didn't he? To belong, didn't he? And I, and I was like, yeah, well, at least God made the the, the ass. Yeah, you know, he didn't make this Negro. This Negro is a bastard. He, he, nothing. What good could come out of a bastard? He he has another agenda to to make white people think that blacks can repent or, or that there could be good blacks. Well, you can't he, have good Negroes. They've got to go back to where they came from, hell. We
2: talked about this before. I mean, certainly U.S. US blacks are, are, are bastardized. So you really don't know what's going to pop out. And then, then it becomes that's, – that's why it becomes confusion, at least in my opinion. That's why it becomes confusion, because you can actually have what we'll call the intelligent or decent black.
0: Well, well that does cause confusion because that intelligent black is putting on an act while, while 20 of his brethren are, are, are chaining up on your daughter.
2: Yeah, but he may very well believe that he's doing something uh, courageous when in reality he's still helping the enemy.
0: Yeah, right. He's deceiving us. He's deceiving us into thinking that the rest of them are redeemable and there isn't one of them that's redeemable. And, and a bastard should never be in the house of, 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 of Yahweh,
2: period. No, there's, it's clear that they, they have to be removed. I mean, at the minimum point, the other, if you want to, I don't know what they are. That's I'm convinced that you know once you're Jewish, that's it. If you're a Jew, to me... I think probably everybody on this board they have to be removed from the earth, period, one way or another. There's well, no well, way that you can have any Canaanite blood left.
0: Now whatever that our, leaves... our whatever. promises from God is that he's going to remove them all, period. And and yeah, that's for not really not
2: sure. But I'm just saying that once once that happens, I you know, I don't quite frankly have as much confidence as you do that there'll be nothing left on earth besides white people. I think there may be some Beast aborigines that are back in the wilderness somewhere or something like that. Well, well but
0: some tribe of beast aborigines in the bowels of Africa. Who cares? But yeah, we can't care. be teaching saying... people that these Mexicans are going back to Mexico when the okay. Bible teaches us that it's going to take us seven months to bury the bastards.
2: There's no way they're going back to Mexico because they you are can't clearly not. You can teaching people
0: that these Negroes are going back to Africa when the Bible tells us that it's going to take us seven months to bury them. The Bible no. tells us that all things that offend are going to be removed. The Bible tells us that every plant that Yahweh did not plant shall be rooted up. There is no bastard on the face of this earth that God planted. No, I don't
2: they think they're. All I think if you look at the U.S. and Mexico. violation. You either have whites or you have bastards. It's right. pretty clear to me.
0: A- absolutely. That's why they're called Mestizos. That that word means mixed. That's I what can't they are. say that that's the
2: way world around, but I can certainly say that's definitely the way in the U.S. The other one, too, I, I think it, 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 it's quite fascinating, and, and this was pointed out to me years ago. You guys were talking earlier about um, the Wall Street group, and it does seem like these Jews have an incredible ability to uh, home in on every single group that might have some effect. Isn't that exactly what they did during the Bolshevik Revolution? They were always in the midst of, a, of any group that was trying to uh, get the white citizens together?
0: I'm sorry, hit me, hit me with that again. All
2: right, well, in, in the U.S. today, it seems to me that uh, that every single group, Every single group that tries to do any type of good always has Jews
0: in the woodwork,
2: and they're always running it.
0: Well, well that's because when a, to get in there. A job, when a Jew wants a job, he starts a charity.
2: Yeah, but I say even some of these groups weren't started by Jews, but they get taken over by Jews almost then immediately. They always
0: do. They always get taken over by Jews. Look at like An example is the Hershey Foundation. When, Hershey, when, when Milton Hershey founded the Hershey Foundation, he left this huge endowment for a scholarship fund for white children exclusively. He explicitly made it for white children only. Jews squeezed their way in there, and Jews took their own foundation that they, they gained control of to court to have it changed, to have its mission changed so that they could give this money away to black kids.
2: Well, it's more than like I mean, the same thing has got to be the with the Ford Foundation. I can't imagine that Ford wanted to support Jewish causes.
0: They do it all the time. They, they squeeze in everywhere. And that's, they, they do it through the banks. They do it through their banking power. And that's very clear in history. They were doing that, that. They squeezed into all the offices they could in academia by the 1930s because they, they had gained control of the banks in 1913. That's how they were able to take over academia so quickly. That's how they were able to take over the media so quickly. That's how they took over Hollywood instantly because Hollywood was a brand-new industry as soon as they got control of the banks.
2: As, as I got the impression they started Hollywood. I mean, I don't even think that was taken over.
0: Well, well, actually, Cecil B. DeMille was not a Jew, right? I mean, the, the first the, those first the, – the, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm struggling for the name of the man that made Birth of a Nation – that they weren't Jews. Edison wasn't a Jew. It was his invention. The Jews stole it.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, the technology.
0: You know, the great train robbery, Birth of a Nation, those first movies, they weren't made by Jews. But the Jews stole it immediately. And they did that through the power that they had through the banking industry. D.W. Griffith. Thank you, Obadiah. I'm an idiot sometimes. Birth of a Nation. He wasn't a Jew. He was probably a great man, and, and Edison – well, I, think you, I, I know you think that Tesla overshadows him. That's fine. Even if Tesla overshadows Edison, Edison's still a great man, right, with, with some wonderful inventions. But the Jews stole it all right away and co-opted it because they saw the, the, the power that it could have. They saw its potential.
2: I just think as far as uh, my impression of reading stuff about Edison – and tesla i find tesla more of a human than edison edison seemed to me to be have a mentality of money and corruption
0: <laughs> well well that still doesn't detract from his um his ability to invent things
2: oh it doesn't detract from that but it just gives me a bad taste sometimes I think, uh, I think tesla in a lot of cases had had more humanity in in in, in his mind than it, than
0: certainly Edison did. But, but that's very typical of our race, for somebody to be great in, in, um, in, in an area and be a total ingrate in, in all the others, right? I mean, it happened, there's probably countless examples of that.
2: Yes, the, I wanted to get over to this other issue, too. You were talking, well, and I always bring up this Ezekiel 38 and 39. I know I beat that to death, and that was part of your talk tonight. But um, and I, maybe you and, and, and ProThink kind of hit this the area, is we really don't know, I mean, we could have this prophecy incorrect and not actually know what the complete prophecy is until after all of the events take place. It's the same thing as any other prophecy in the Bible. I mean, you hope you have an idea of what's going to happen, but you could be wrong. Or do you have some sort of certainty that you think that this is going to happen and that there's definites? You have some definites involved in this prophecy.
0: It has to happen. It's Ezekiel 38 correlates with Micah 4. It correlates with Revelation chapter 19. It correlates with all of these other... Uh, all these, and, not, and
2: nope, You're saying that I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying that the way it happens, or whatever exactly happens, I don't see any, almost, there's almost no prophecy in the Bible except for Daniel, that I know of that. People knew what was going to happen before it happened. They might have been responsible for it, but they didn't really know.
0: Well, well with, with Daniel's 70, Daniel 70 weeks prophecy, it was timed. It's the only prophecy in the Bible that is timed explicitly in a manner when people could know exactly when it was going to happen, and that's why the people of first century, century Judea were expecting a messiah. But that's the only prophecy that we have. And, and we know that Daniel was written long before the time of Christ because we have copies of it in the Septuagint, the Dead Sea Scrolls, that, that are, are already ancient in Josephus, that are already ancient around the time of Christ. So, so there's no doubt that Daniel was written long before the time of Christ, and we definitely have proof of that, and his pro- that 70 weeks prophecy is timed, and we have the testimony in the Gospels that men and women were expecting the Messiah at that time. And, and there's no doubt as, as to the veracity of that, and, and many witnesses to it. But, but um, that's the only prophecy that's actually timed. This Ezekiel 30 we're already surrounded by our enemies. We are already in, in this deep trouble where, where we can foresee the demise of our race if we do not have the, this salvation that we need to pull us out of it. And, and that's, it's just not timed like Daniel was. I, I mean, no man knows the day. It's not going to be in 2012, I'll tell you that. It, it's not going to be December 21st, 2012, like some clowns and identity bought into. I, I'll tell you that.
2: yeah but i mean we don't have uh, i I would say that there there's no if you were to take a inspection of all the white race today you're not going to find even a small majority i mean, even a small percentage of the white race that believes they're going to get annihilated they're in total darkness right now
0: well well you, you You know, that's debatable because YouTube is a powerful tool, and there are videos all over YouTube which talk about the demise of the white race. I mean, one thing that I almost put in my notes tonight that I didn't was a magazine article that Time Magazine published in April of 1990, and you can find this on, on Google real quick. I remember this magazine article pretty explicitly, and, and it, it, it talked about the browning of America. And, and this is t- over 20 years ago. That, and they were trumpeting it. They were proud of it. And that was in 1990. The, this is something that, that the, um, the Jews had been anticipating since the end of World War II. It is the demise of the white race, the, the ability to infiltrate and overrun us. And, and I, once they saw that the West defeated Hitler's Germany, they were gleeful because he was the last major obstacle. He was the last major obstacle. They eliminated the czar, and, and then they eliminated... Adolf Hitler caught them by surprise. They thought they had Germany in the Weimar years. And when they defeated Hitler, they were gleeful. They were trumpeting the, the death of the white race
2: then. Yeah, but I mean, there's a difference between the Jews understanding that they're in a position to defeat the white races um, and... The white race is recognizing that there's an issue. I don't know. I don't have anyone in my family other than the one person that you would question is whether they're even white, and uh, almost no acquaintance. I mean, I have no one on this coast, absolutely no one that I know here that thinks that the white race is going to be annihilated.
0: Well, right, because people caught up in the world don't see it, but it's all over YouTube. It's all over Europe. A lot of Europeans know it. A lot of people are making videos about it. That this got to be, um, uh, I don't know. You can probably find two, or three dozen videos about it on YouTube. So, so it's it's oh, more and more there's people. A, there's a on YouTube, it, but, but it
2: doesn't. I mean, that doesn't still takes away from the fact that you've got, I don't know, how many millions of uh, whites that are uninformed somehow.
0: Well. It's gonna last think, forever. Yeah, you know the mainstream media doesn't inform them, and and until they get that hit in the head and wake the hell up, they're probably gonna stay uninformed.
2: Yeah, well, I don't this think could ever, go
0: five I mean, more. This could go four more generations. I mean, this doesn't happen. Have to, have to this happen. This is a tomorrow.
2: little bit comical because the day we're on here is the fifth of November, and we're talking about annihilation of the of the white race, right? By okay. Fox.
0: What does that have to do with the fifth of November? I don't know. I remember.
2: It. Remember the fifth of November, the Gunpowder treason and
0: plot. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Guy Fawkes Day.
2: Yeah, Guy Fawkes Day. That I know. So it's convenient you're talking about annihilating of the white races and the <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'm expecting uh, somebody in a Guy Fawkes mask to show up on television someday. Warminess
0: of the truth right well, well right but, but we, we have to um, you know we, we can see the handwriting on the wall and we should be blessed for that and, and we have to keep this message up it, 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 it has to proceed but it has to proceed on a solid foundation and not on a wishy washy ambiguous um, f- foundation that's unclear on the, on, on the most important issue which is the racial issue
2: yeah, there are people that are out there that are definitely pointing out who these culprits are. I think I brought one, you know, that that um, on. Oh, it's, what is his name now? Oh, Adrian Salbucci. Adrian
0: Salbucci. I've been on his mailing list for a lot of for a long time. Uh, about half the stuff on his mailing list, at least, is junk. So I just don't pay too much attention to him.
2: I mean, unless he gets up there and and, and speaks a good one, and then and then. Um, Mark Dankoff. I don't know whether he's. I mean, he's also got up there and just abused a couple of these communist women that were running Occupy Wall Street. I had to laugh. They, he just he just ran right over them. All now the now inter-
0: I have something in my inbox from a from a good friend and and uh, a um, chat server des- denizen who who is named over he calls himself overworld, and i have he asked me if i ever heard of mark Dankoff in a um, in an email and supplied a video i 've heard the name but i 've never really seen the guy. I still have to watch the video i 'm hoping to do that tomorrow
2: yeah i don 't know what is what his major affiliations are as far as if you really dug into him you 'd find some stuff you don't like but he did seem to he did seem to put i can 't remember it was like uh, Deborah Sweet, and I can't remember the two women, but it was absolutely funny the way he just he tore them tore up. And then I the the uh, Sobucci character was talking about um, Argentina as far as a financial uh, Petri dish of what the Jews intended to do to the rest of the world, including the U.S. at some point. And he thinks the U.S. is now... Um, going to end up the way of the former Soviet Union in the sense that they're just going to create this financial anarchy and end up breaking it up into pieces so that there can be no superpower that a one-world government couldn't control, and specifically a Jewish one-world government.
0: Well, absolutely. That, that's I mean, they've, they, they have 200 years of experience with this now. Or better, probably more than that, if you want to count their Jesuit experience and, and the manipulation of, of governments, and they hand their information down from generation to generation, right? They make sure that they, that they do that.
2: Well, I can actually see the point where the U.S. is no longer a nation as we know it today. That uh, that could easily happen. I mean, people think that it's not going; it, it can't happen that way. But I could easily see that happening. Uh, long uh, before whites wake up.
0: Well, well right, but I, I mean, the, 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 you've said yourself very well that the prophecy's just not there so that we can see the future.
2: I know, that's what I'm saying. I don't know that we can see the future, but I mean, I think a lot of people are imagining that somehow we're going to be rescued before uh, the United States is basically broken up. But I don't see anywhere in the prophecy where it says that.
0: Well, well, no, there's no guarantee to that, because to, to God, the nation is the people, and, and the man's geopolitical boundaries really don't mean a damn thing, right?
2: Yeah, I can see the whole U.S. being destroyed. And yeah, you mean- know, the
0: political boundaries laid by man, how can we be um, arrogant enough to think that they, that they really mean anything to God? like the division in Ireland before between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. How 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 can we think that God would care about that division, right? That that's just an example. The division between Scotland and Britain and and England. How how do we know for sure that God really cares? He he does. He sees us as his people in the earth. The political boundaries that men lay, they they don't really mean a whole lot, right? That's what I'm trying to say.
2: No, they don't. I mean I can imagine that that, that what, what's being described there is, is the U.S. as a land mass. And, but as, as far as what ends, what ends up bringing us to that point, it, it may very well be a, a, a U.S. that's not, no longer a constitutional republic. Well, it really isn't anyhow, but I mean they may put the final touches into it and allow it to just break up. You kill the U.S. dollar and it's all over with. I mean they're fighting like hell right now to keep the U.S. dollar as the World currency. Every country that tries to get away from that gets blown up. Libya was yep. the last one.
0: Yeah, it's incredible that we don't see that going on. But that's here, Venezuela
2: the, now. That, that's because
0: the media doesn't report those things. And, and if they do report it, it's buried in the back page of some financial advisor's magazine or some the, the you know the IBD or something on page thirty two A. Between 16 ads and a bunch of stock reports, it's they don't report those things.
2: No, so Venezuela is the, is the next one too. I mean, they're requesting all of their gold back, so they want to get it from London and from uh, the U.S. and France or wherever they. Yeah, have well,
0: them. that could cause a war, right? Because they don't. Uh, I'm sure that gold is that um, they don't want to part with any of that. <laughs> There's no well, way. I they want it want to back. Part.
2: In, I, I understand they want it back in a slow fashion, so they can actually. Uh, I, I suppose melt it down and make sure it really is gold. There were some rumors that the U.S. was sending gold back to countries, but it wasn't gold. It was just gold-plated.
0: Right. I've, I've heard that. I've heard China got stuck with a bunch of gold-plated gold or something.
2: Yeah, I guess my point is, I'm not, I'm not trying to question that it's going to happen. It's, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of wondering whether.
0: Uh, well, well, we can't see the future. We can't, I can't tell you how it's going to play out. No, I know that we are saying. surrounded. There's and a I, lot of I,
2: scenarios that can take place. I mean, even Clifton's scenario about being overrun by a the, the uh, Chinese in their. Uh, well, I can't rule that
0: out. I haven't ruled that out. I, I, it can happen, I, but I, I, that
2: doesn't mean that that won't happen after the U.S. is basically no longer a U.S. Well, we'll I mean, see. California, the, the entire coast is predominantly non-white now.
0: The right, the Mexicans coast. want it. They they—they they think they want that sovereign nation, right, that axe land. They really do want that.
2: Yeah, you know what they'll do is, as they'll do with anything else, they'll turn it into Mexico, and then they'll want to move into another state where the whites have civilized it.
0: Well, well of course.
2: Well, if they take over all of California, turn it into a complete hellhole, like they've turned Mexico into a hellhole, and then they decide, okay, well, we need to go over into Colorado and other states, start coming across the mountains. Maybe that's where they get killed. But they're already over there, too, so I'm not really sure.
0: They're up here. There's Mexicans up here. I, I mean, it's it's all – a lot of that language is allegorical, right, the, the way I see it. But we have an assurance that we will prevail and and that they will all be destroyed. We cannot – obscure and obfuscate that assurance. That, that's my point tonight. Well, we have that assurance, and that's what we have to leave the, the people that follow us. That, that's the, the teaching that we have to leave behind. That's the teaching that we have to teach our children so that they stand on a firm foundation and not on Eli James' wishy-washy bullshit.
2: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, that's he lost me with the completely lost me with the interview with uh, Daryl Bradford Smith. That was an atrocity. So I've had it enough is? of. The only time I ever go over there to listen now is if there's some kind of like uh, entertainment value, like when he, him and Patricia were having a battle.
0: Well, well, Eli is followed in, in the pattern, and, and somebody was saying last night that, yeah, you know, the, the um, dispute that he had with me back in January forced him out of the closet as a universalist. And, and that's the pattern that he set back in January with his program with Greg Howard on January 23rd, his program with Sword Brethren on January 29th, and, and then he went on with those Negroes trying to preach the gospel to, to, to a couple of Negroes, and they just abused him. And On Blog Talk, and, and then he went on with Dow Bradford Smith. That's the capstone. You're right. But, but he could do worse. And, and from what I heard, he did do worse today on, um, on Republic Broadcasting. I, I haven't listened to it, and I, I, I don't know if I will. I might. But um, may, I think I might listen to it on my drive down to see my son. Uh, I, I usually throw a handful of MP3s on, on my MP3 player, and, and that will probably be one of them yeah, this Thursday. So so I I got a few programs to listen to and and I might I'll probably do it on a drive down this week. But but well, I think um,
2: Corsican. I, I mean we discussed this a while back. I mean he summed it up. It's it's either us or them. Period.
0: Right. Well, we have to let we have be to both. let our people know that that is the case. That we have to be explicitly white. We can't be ambiguous and and we can't cover what the scripture says.
2: I think that the, what the big problem is right now is that the terminology's been changed. These, these Jews are Canaanites. If they understand that it's the battle between Israel and Canaanites, it might be a little bit easier because we were supposed to take care of these SOBs way back and didn't do it.
0: Well, absolutely, and that's why we're suffering this way now. And that's, you know, I gave that, I, I, I drew that illustration a few weeks ago on my right foreign foe um, podcast that, that when Joshua was told to exterminate all the Canaanites a- and he went to do it, that there was a little Jew over his shoulder whispering, oh, that's mean. You can't exterminate all the Canaanites. You're an exterminationist. Why don't you conquer us instead and we'll be your slaves and you can rule over us? And, and that's what some... Certain Christian identity pastors are teaching about the other races today. It's the same crap all over again.
2: Yeah, well, that's the – I mean, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> I can see you have one Jew left it will all start over again. It may take centuries, but it will all start
0: over again. Exactly. Exactly. It'll all start over again. It's the same message and, and it's it's the same genes and, and the genetics are, are always going to, to produce the fruit that, that the trees that those genetics tr- produce. It, it's inevitable. Uh, I don't care how long you keep a mustard seed laying around when you plant it in the ground, it's going to produce a mustard plant.
2: Not if Bonstanto keep- gets a hold of it.
0: Yeah, right. You keep one Jew around and it's going to produce a whole other race of treacherous bastards. There's no doubt. And, and, and history will repeat itself again. And how many times do we, do we have to um, learn from the same mistakes?
2: Yeah, you'd think that people would be able to figure out the fact that there aren't any good Jews, because if there were really good Jews out there, then they wouldn't be such an effective force against everyone else.
0: Every generation, generation after generation, they act the same. That means that it's genetic, and there's no getting around it. If, it. if it wasn't genetic, then every other generation, you'd have a bunch of good Jews that become Christians, and and in and, and a few generations, you'd have no Jews.
2: And we play the sheep without the shepherd every generation.
0: Yes, we do, because we don't open the book and... and and, and choose to obey the shepherd. But we want to—we we want to compromise, and—and and, uh, oh, there are some good—they're not all bad. That there are some good Negroes; they're not all bad. And, and we, we end up with the same thing over and over again.
2: Well, it's very discouraging in some of these areas, though I know. That uh, basically, if we weren't connected by internet, I think a lot of us would have absolutely no one to talk to. Because I know there's not a single person that I know, and in, in probably a thousand people, other than my suspect cousin and people on this forum,
0: <laughs>
2: even relate to.
0: <laughs> well, maybe that's why we have this forum, right? Yeah. Who knows what vehicle God's going to use to to do His will, right? And we have to use what's available to us. And and if this is our church, then that's so be it. It's a good thing.
2: I think, so to speak, it is our church.
0: Well, absolutely, it's it's our assembly, no doubt.
2: Always likes nice to know you're not the only lunatic in the world.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, I'm 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 gonna let this go, and, and um, I'll be back here in two weeks with Mark. Chapter, I think I'll up to Chapter 10, right? Mark Chapter 10 in two weeks. Next week, please come and listen to Matt Ott. It's Matthew Ott on Friday night. It's his first program on TalkShoe. And Carolyn Yeager on Saturday night should be filling in for me at 8 p.m. And I'm sure they'll both have excellent programs. Thank you very much. This is William Fink, Christa Genia. Good night.